Hello, landing page optimization listeners. This is your host, Tim Ash. Next time you browse through iTunes or the Google Play Store on your smartphone, make sure to land on and download the webmasterradio.fm mobile app. Listen to new episodes of LPO every Monday or catch up on all the interviews featuring me speaking with the best and brightest conversion thought leaders of today. Download the webmasterradio.fm mobile apps in the iTunes Store or via Google Play today. Welcome to LPO, Landing Page Optimization. Landing page optimization expert Tim Ash is here to show you what it takes to create optimal landing pages. LPO brings you detailed case studies, opinions, and analysis from the leaders of landing page optimization. Now here's your host, Tim Ash. Welcome, loyal listeners. This is your host, Tim Ash, for LPO, Landing Page Optimization. And this episode, my guest is Michael Mace. He's the mobile strategist for usertesting.com. Uh, welcome, Michael. Uh, thanks very much. It's nice to be with you. Yeah, well, and I understand you have obviously a, a long and illustrious career in mobile. You were with Apple and Palm before that, even before the days of smartphones. I don't remember when that was. But, but <laughs> uh, you know, so, you know, how did, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, just user testing for those folks in the audience that, that don't know them. You guys have been great supporters of the Conversion Conference, but um, just tell us a little bit about what you guys do. Thanks. Um, what we are is a really quick way to get user feedback on uh, on mobile sites or mobile websites, plus desktop as well, obviously. Um, so you figure out the stuff that you want to test. You come to our site. You specify the questions that you want to ask and the tasks that you want people to perform. We send that out to our panel. Um, they perform your tests. You get video and audio of them doing it and talking about it. So basically, it helps you get inside their heads so that you're... Okay. You're not just checking for usability, but you're also learning what they think. Okay, so basically, um, and again, this works for web or mobile devices, but you have a uh, a large panel of people to draw from. And uh, so if you say, go do this task on my site, go buy red shoes in size 9, they'll kind of talk out loud, and you get the screen recording of what they're doing, problems they're having, and so on, as they kind of navigate your site. And you get the, the video playback of that as the deliverable. Is that right? Exactly. That's correct. And, and we try to turn it around really fast. So in most cases, uh, we can turn around those tests in a matter of hours. Okay. So, you know, I put up my request for what task, you know, my kind of task description of what I want them to do and what I want them to go. And then um, hours later or a day or two later, probably in most cases, I'm getting my user session recordings back. You got it, yeah. And in most cases, it's actually going to be hours. When it takes longer is if you choose really narrow demographics or something like that. So you have to find those people that meet the criteria. If you're looking for 80-year-old uh, grandmas that are you know, still happily married, it might be a tougher stretch. It takes a little bit more time because there aren't that many of those on the panel, so we have to wait for when they log in. Yeah, actually, it's, pretty, it's probably because all their husbands have kicked off. That's why they're not happily married anymore. Ah, women outlive us too. Man, they get all the advantages. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, but um, you know, one thing that Steve Krug, um, who's, uh, of course, if world famous for web usability and wrote the book Don't Make Me Think, um, 
is was a keynote at our conversion conference. One of the things he's a big proponent of is kind of informal testing. So if you talk to a lot of folks in the usability community, they're always talking about, well, you need somebody, you need, we need to recruit a panel of people that are uh, exactly our target demographics. Um, is that a true statement or, or in your experience or how important is that? Uh, I think it's helpful to get generally close on the demographics, but I don't think you should make a big fetish out of it. Um, I mean, obviously, there will be situations where you have to hit an exact certain type of person. But remember that what you're looking for is that this is this is qualitative research where you're looking to get general feedback on what works and what doesn't and find out if there are gotchas and other things like that. Um, and in some cases, it's most important just to have a really engaged user who has a fresh set of eyes. You work on your site for a long time. And after a while, you just can't see the problems anymore. Yeah, and, and so I can't. Just, yeah, I, I agree. I can't emphasize that enough. That you know, we are all by definition experts at our own websites. We've spent thousands of hours on them, or worse yet, we actually designed them and thought consciously about every little detail. So we know every nook and cranny, and we can fill in gaps in knowledge that other people have with a lot of knowledge. And other people have to substitute assumptions or confusion for that. Oh, yeah. Well, and especially if you're looking at mobile, you know, so say you've got a really successful desktop website and you're converting that over to mobile, you can end up just by making some wrong assumptions about how users are going to behave. You can end up with something that's really, really dysfunctional in mobile and you don't realize it um, until you get some feedback from, from regular people using it. Okay, so what I'm hearing is it's not super important to have a targeted demographic. I mean, I'm sure there are exceptions. For example, if if the task is for a software or a hardware engineer to pick the right uh, circuit board components for his new project, you probably have to have some domain knowledge as you're yeah. navigating the site. But for most tasks, any kind of reasonable, common sense person would do. Yes. Okay, so let's let's talk about again the, the differences uh, on mobile. I mean, one of the things is you know we talk about this um, notion of different screens. In a way, it seems like there was a convergence for a while, and everybody kind of designed for web browsers, and now it's splintered into a bazillion devices, each with a different screen, software capabilities. Um, Within mobile, should you how how specific should you get? Uh, should it be iPhone versus Android, or should you test within different screen sizes? How do you approach that that recruitment process? And does it matter? Yeah. Well, there man, <laughs> it matters, and there there are all sorts of different layers to it. Unfortunately, so you know, one is say you're doing a website and you're just doing web. Let's leave aside native apps for a moment. If you're just doing web. You do really want to be testing it on both iOS and Android because they behave differently. Um, you know, you've got different browsers there. And furthermore, you really want to be doing it on both tablet and smartphone uh, because those devices behave differently. You get weird effects when you change the screen size that dramatically. And if you're testing it, you won't notice it. And this is even true if you're doing, you know, a, a design, you know, where we've, oh, we've set up the design, the design of the website so it will completely adapt itself to any screen size. Unless you've tested it, there may be gotchas where things don't work and you just won't realize it. Yeah, and you know, I, I tend to kind of, I'm not a big fan of quote-unquote responsive design. Listeners of my program will, will know that because I don't think you can stretch everything from a, a BlackBerry to an 80-inch LCD screen um, yep. and, and still make it work. I mean, you have to fundamentally rethink the task and the context. So we exactly. tend to kind of say one set of templates for web and tablet because even a tablet 
has at least 1024 wide resolution these days, so that's acceptable. Uh, but you know, there's thumb scrolling and differences for for tablets and pinning the yep. nav bar to the top of the page, that sort of thing. But basically, yeah. with a few adaptations, the web experience works on tablets. But mobile is a completely different animal. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah, yeah. No, it it, it is a very different animal, and um, and you know, even even going from desktop to tablet, we'll find things like. People don't fully think through the implications of being in a touch environment. Like, you know, if you've got a site that's very dependent on tooltips to help people navigate, mm-hmm. tooltips aren't available in the tablet. So you have to rethink if users get stuck, if they don't understand what's happening, how do they recover from that if tooltips aren't available? And then you're right. right, smartphones are an entirely different world where you have to rethink because the screen's so small. You have to yeah. rethink the tasks that people will be performing. Yeah. Well, going back to tablets for a second, I think it's it's yeah. fair, fair to say though that um, you know it, the tablets. It's not so much the screen or the interface or the limitations of that. I'd say it's more the context in which you're, they're viewed. So I think it's more your yeah. impatience. It's the fact that you're on the subway or you know in the coffee shop instead of sitting in front of your desk. It's it's more your attention span and distractibility. I think that 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 works against you. In a tablet setting. Yep, it, it's it's very very tough, and you know you'll assume that people will have the same level of commitment to working with your your site that they do uh, when you're on the uh, when you're on the desktop, and it's just not the case because they got lots of other things they can do. They could go check check Facebook in ten seconds, or check the App Store to see if there's some new game they can play with. And so it's it, I sometimes compare it to trying to run a birthday party for four year olds, you know, where they're very easily <laughs> Distracted, yes. Really got and to keep you know, moving along. Even, even, well, or even uh, just the, when you're more likely to whip out the tablet, you're not going to go into your home office and look in the computer, but you might be just leaving through the Wall Street Journal in the kitchen uh, on Sunday morning. So you're more likely yeah. to use tablets in off business hours and around your regular work schedule. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to have to take a break you're here. Very often. Uh, very. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, often you're competing with television, which is yeah, really Yeah, tough. second screen. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, we're going to take a break here. And when we come back, I want to focus on, on mobile a little more and mobile usability testing. Uh, this is your host, Tim Ash, for LPO, Landing Page Optimization. And we'll be back in a couple of minutes after a word from our sponsors. More LPO, Landing Page Optimization, in just a moment. Guys, are you suffering from FD, fulfillment dysfunction? Let MoldingBox.com's online portal system for inventory, tracking, and returns perform for you. We have the enormous tools you need for complete warehousing, shipping, and handling of all your packages, no matter the size or shape, directly to your customers. MoldingBox.com can also fulfill all your nourishing, nutraceutical, and smooth skincare product desires, including green coffee and Garcinia on demand. Plus, let our in-house printing and CD, DVD manufacturing help you enlarge and maximize your coaching and business opportunity potential. We do everything. Fulfillment, shipping, tracking, inside and out, and all in one place. Moldingbox.com. It's shipping made sexy. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is authoritylabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. 
Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is authoritylabs.com. When you started your business, you first listened to your professors. Now that your business is growing and gaining ground, you only seek out professionals. PPC Professionals, an industry leader for highly optimized search marketing campaigns with over 30 years of combined management experience. Our professional approach to every campaign helps you find every avenue of revenue so that you can not only stay ahead of your competitors, but get a return on your investment and increase your bottom line. PPC Professionals, personal, professional, PPC services. PPCProfessionals.com. Hold on to your white hat or black hat. WebmasterRadio.fm is ready to take you behind the backlinks. We're digging and scraping past the surface of everyday news and views of search engine marketing and dropping our proverbial anchor text on the important issues affecting the industry with our panel of search engine insiders. Behind the backlinks, on demand, anytime, inside the search engine optimization channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back to LPO, landing page optimization, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's Tim Ash. And we're back. This is your host, Tim Ash, with LPO, Landing Page Optimization. My guest this time is Michael Mace, the mobile strategist for usertesting.com. All right, so we were talking before the break about a mobile specifically. Uh, what are, again, some of the nuances of, of testing a mobile experience? Are there any common themes that emerge of things people do wrong when they kind of convert a web experience or uh, to mobile or do they convert it or did they just leave the same thing and just make it smaller? Yeah, we've, we've actually done a whole bunch of work on this. So you're going to need to restrain me from talking too much, but so before <laughs> okay. I get into specifics, there's actually a whole presentation that we did that we call four mobile traps that talks about where companies tend to get stuck when they're moving from desktop to mobile. And so if, if somebody wants to Google that, they can find the webinar that had all that stuff. So it's just, you know, user testing for mobile traps but to, to summarize what, what we see going on is, is those, those four areas where they get stuck is, number one, they mismanage the legacy of what they had on the desktop. In other words, they don't rethink how it's going to work in mobile versus how it works on desktop, which we already talked about. Second is um, in mobile tend to be more easily frightened than they are on the desktop. In other words, they're afraid of scammers. They're afraid of accidentally opting into things. So you've got to be really clear about your security and about your opt-ins and all of that sort of stuff. The third one is things that confuse people, so just interface widgets that don't work well or cryptic icons that aren't properly labeled. And again, we depend on stuff like tooltips to help you out on the desktop when people are confused. If tooltips aren't there, how, how do people figure out what they're supposed to do? And um, in a lot of cases, it's important to have a help function available, which you don't mm -hmm. think about offering on the desktop. Um, and then the final thing is just the attention span thing that we already talked about, is that you've got to – it's not that everything has to be gamified. But you have to show people that they're making progress really, really quickly so that they will remain engaged with the process. So, for instance, if you're doing shopping, yeah. you need them to be able to feel like they're really making process progress rapidly in doing their shopping task. Otherwise, they may just drift off and do something else. Okay. Well, so is, is that the – I mean, a lot of times you hear this thing, well, mobile doesn't convert for me. Um, is that a problem of – the constraints of mobile per se, or is that more of a problem of really bad web experiences just kind of being, you know, copied over to a mobile device? Yeah, it's, you know, I think it's, 
certainly there are some inherent things about uh, mobile. However, for the most part, what we see we're seeing in our tests is when mobile doesn't convert, it's because you haven't set up the shopping process properly, and and it can be a number of things. Um, one is just for for a lot of people who really like to shop uh, a lot online, the shopping process is fun. And you see a lot of mobile shopping sites that when they go to, to mobile, what they do is they say, okay, we're going to simplify this down. And so we're going to take out all the crufty stuff and we're going to just focus on taking an order because that's what people are going to want to do in mobile. And as a result, people can't have fun shopping anymore. You know, it's just like you, you, you go to whatever web presence they've set up for mobile and it says, place your order now. And it's kind of like, you know, trying to get somebody to marry you without dating them first. So, Michael, I had a question for you about, so is it inherently the problem of mobile or you know, and, and small screen limitations, or is it a bad user experience from the web just being carbon copied on the mobile where it doesn't, isn't appropriate? You know, there are definitely some things about mobile that are, that are different that may interfere with conversion in some situations. But for the most part, when we do tests, what we're finding is companies that haven't figured out how to make the shopping process work properly on mobile. In other words, it's it's not the fault of mobile itself. It's the fault of the way you set up your site. And, and it's several things that show up. The first is just a lot of people who do shopping online do it because they find it to be fun. And you'll see a lot of companies that convert their stuff over to mobile and they say, okay, what we need to do here is um, we're going to take out all the crufty stuff and we're just going to focus on going straight to placing an order. And doing that is kind of like trying to get somebody to marry you without dating them first, right? You've taken all the fun and all the seductiveness out of the shopping process, and no wonder they don't want to shop online. Um, a second problem that we run into a lot is people will say that they don't have uh, the full information available to them. So they will have shopped previously on the desktop. They'll know that they can get additional photos of the thing that they're shopping for or additional comparative information about it. And if that stuff is missing in mobile, they feel like they just don't have the data that they need. Uh, okay, so basically st- you, what I hear you saying is you still need the context and all of the that detail, but it just has to be represented differently. You know, there's got to be the main path of checking out, or but uh, the detail still has to be there and easily accessible. They have to have some way to get to it. Filters okay. is another great one. Um, you know, people want to be able to filter when they're doing mobile, and we see a lot of sites that don't let you filter very well. It makes it hard to shop. Okay. Uh, well, filtering is a sore subject with me. I, uh, from all the usage stuff I've seen, it doesn't really work that well on, on even web experiences. But uh, unfortunately, we have to take a short break and we'll come back. And, um, I, you know, I always say that a lot of technology people are space cadets. But uh, after the break, I want to explore the fact that you are almost literally lost in space. More LPO landing page optimization in just a moment. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PVC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. 
Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS. Text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm. Sounds expensive. Actually, I sign us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. Oh yeah, my day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Advance your affiliate marketing efforts every week on Affiliate Buzz. Our hosts, James and Arlene Martell, are here to inspire, inform, and motivate you with expert insight, interviews, and information that will increase your bottom line. Affiliate Buzz, on demand anytime inside the Affiliate Marketing Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back to LPO, Landing Page Optimization, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's Tim Ash. And we're back. This is your host, Tim Ash, for LPO, Landing Page Optimization. Uh, and I'm continuing my conversation with Michael Mace, the mobile strategist for usertesting.com. Michael, lost in space. Uh, I remember oh, that, no. that science fiction TV show. Now, you were literally almost on Lost in Space in, a, I believe, a somewhat embarrassing capacity. Tell us about what you were cast as. Well, this was when I was a very little kid. We lived, uh, growing up in Los Angeles, we lived across the street from the guy who did uh, the costume design for Lost in Space. And so uh, he wanted to, to have me appear on the show as a, a human carrot, uh, <laughs> you know, dressed up in a, in a carrot outfit. And, uh, and so that was my big potential break in showbiz. But I was just a little kid. I was afraid of this TV thing because it was like, well, wait, that's real. I, I don't want to you know, do that, et cetera, et cetera. So I turned it down. Um, and so that destroyed my entire entertainment career, and I ended up going into technology instead. And now, you know, you have Carrot Top headlining in Vegas. That was your opportunity. You could have I been the well. original Carrot Top. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> awful. You know, what could have been? Oh, well. Oh, well, I guess you'll just uh, have to do with uh, Internet Marketing Podcast, and that'll be your little 15 minutes that's of enough. fame. That's, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, let's get back to our conversation about uh, you know, mobile testing. So um, is there a difference in uh, terms of the kinds of tasks you should even ask people to do on mobile? Uh, should they be simplified tasks, or is it reasonable to expect people to do complicated things? Well, obviously, there are cases where I can think of things that are so complicated that you don't want to try to make somebody do it on a smartphone. But for the most part, it is pretty hard to anticipate exactly what they're they're going to do. So, And they will complain bitterly, by the way, if you take away major features from them they expected. The big issue is prioritization. 
what are the things that you think they're going to be most likely to do in the mobile situation? Put those really up front. Make those accessible through the, the, the first screen. And then for the power users who want to do those other things, make that stuff accessible, but you can hide it a few layers down where they can find it. Okay, um, what about what the whole idea of actually saying, I don't want the mobile experience, show me your web version. Uh, do you, should you always make that available? Giving them an out to be able to say go to the full site is a, is a, a good thing to do, you know, because if they really, really want it, let them go get to it. But that, don't use that as a crutch. You should try to make the, mobile, the native mobile experience as good as you can. Okay, and, and again, what I like to say is you should really uh, severely restrict the, the tasks. I mean, they're probably not there to read your press releases or mm-hmm. uh, that, that sort of thing, like on your full site where you have all that fluff. Um, so it should just be kind of mission-critical tasks, or should, even though they're fully supported, like you say, but the, the task set itself should be pretty stripped down. Is that yeah, fair? That, 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 I, think, I think that's very fair. Okay, so let's. Uh, and uh, do you have any kind of uh, special tips for, for example, filling out long forms and how to make that easier? What do you think of um, social login? Just a one button push to log into Amazon or Facebook, and then they get a lot of your material background stuff filled in for you. Here's what we find when, when companies use social login. It's a good idea because it, it's convenient for people, but you have to be explicit about what you're going to do with their information because we will see people who do tests, for instance, you, where they've logged in via Facebook, and then they'll say, okay, right after this test is done, I'm going to have to go check Facebook from my desktop computer to make sure that the thing I was using didn't just post a bunch of information about me that it didn't want there. And so, so you've got to tell people, you know, you're going to just be logging in through Facebook. We're not going to be doing posts on your behalf. Or if you're going to be doing those posts on your behalf, be really explicit about it so they aren't surprised. Okay, so basically it should say, we're just using this information to f- fill in your shipping information for for your checkout. Yep, yep, exactly. That sort of thing. And then, okay, and specifically about, like you say, we're not going to post on your behalf. That's the one everybody hates. I mean, we don't care if you vacuum up our information most of the time, but if you're going to start posting as us, that's really obnoxious. You got it. And people are always afraid because there have been just a few bad actors who've done that. The users are afraid that everybody might do it because the stories of that happening got a lot of publicity. So we're all being blamed for the bad actions of a few people. Okay, and obviously we can't keep it. Well, you know, there's rumors of Facebook uh, having e-commerce components and storing credit card information, but at least currently they don't. But there's no reason not to say pull in your other personal information, like you know, address and things like that, that they that they do have access to. Oh yeah, to. anything you can do to simplify that checkout process is great. It's just don't don't make them feel like you're going to do something underhanded, and and assume that they're going to assume that, and just address it immediately up front. Okay, so what would you say kind of uh, some of the most egregious mistakes you've seen uh, that were just uncovered by mobile testing? You know, uh, what we've seen a lot has been things that are cryptically mislabeled. Uh, So there will be a button that the developer thinks is really, really clear and they think is really clever and the users look at it and they just don't understand what that icon means. Or maybe the developer will make the mistake of using an Android icon and the, the, the the customer is on iOS, and so they don't understand what that means. And um, inevitably what happens is it'll be right in the middle of the, of the purchase process where they're about to, to check something out where they run into some of these icons and they get completely confused. 
So mm-hmm. it, it's even simple things like putting text labels underneath graphical icons when there's any question of whether people are going to be confused. I know it doesn't look as sexy, but to me the sexiest thing is a site that's actually usable. Right, right. I'm into that. I'm going to quote you on that. Uh, well, we're, it's a you know, the good design is invisible is another way of putting it. I mean, it, it, it works, and that's that's the the first requirement. I remember, you know, when I was picking a gun, the guy was asking, "Well, what's the most important thing about having uh, you know qualities of a, of a handgun?" and and I said, "Well, you know, it's got to fit in your hand, or it has to work." And he's like, "No, it has to fire." Yeah. <laughs> it has to work for its there intended you purpose. You know, that's yep. the number one requirement. So it's the same thing in web usability or mobile, right? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, what about um, if you're not if you're talking about um, long forms? Uh, are there any conventions for where to put labels? Whether to have it one column? You know, a lot of forms are kind of on the web are laid out in multiple columns and zigzagging around and advancing from field to field with tabs. How is that handled on mobile? What's any best practices there? Uh, I don't know that anybody's figured out the perfect best practices. I mean, what would be really nice is if, it, is if speech recognition worked so well that you could use speech to be able to fill them out. But unfortunately, the error rate is just high enough that it tends to really annoy people. Um, you want to ask, what are the pieces of information that you absolutely have to gather? And can you maybe leave some stuff off? You know, even though it's neat to gather all of that information that you've got there for marketing purposes or something like that, do you really need to be pulling all of that right now? Can you find other ways to get it over time? Uh, because every time you ask people to type, you, you end up losing some folks and they get very impatient. Okay, then that brings up a great point. Of course, you should have only essential fields on any form, as far as I'm concerned. I talk about that as the form field test in my landing page optimization book. Um, is this information absolutely necessary to complete the current transaction? If you can't answer yes to both parts of that, it shouldn't be there, period. Uh, but what about uh, getting help in another way? We're on a phone. Uh, what about click to call? Um, I think that's great. You know, and, and in fact, in general, what we find is because the tooltips aren't there, when people get stuck in a mobile setting, the first thing they do is they look for a help function. So something, whether it's click to call or having context-sensitive help or even just, you know, being able to have a few screens that you can swipe through that show you how the controls work in the, in the site, it can be done in a fairly simple way. But what will happen is when people get confused, they look for that help function. If it's there, they can usually find a way to get back on track. But if the help function isn't there, you would be amazed how quickly and how thoroughly people can go completely off the road. Okay, so always give them an out. Always give them a safety net and uh, and a way to recover, basically. Well, I, I know we could keep talking about this for hours, but unfortunately, uh, we are out of time. Uh, Michael, thanks so much for, for being on the program. Uh, Join us for our last conversion conference of the year in Chicago. Save $100 with promo code uh, WMFM. And that's Chicago, June 16th, sorry, 17th and 18th. And uh, Michael, thanks again. And uh, listeners, thanks for wasting another perfectly good half hour. And we'll see you on the flip side. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program as well as our complete library of programs. 
Sessions, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.webmasterradio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of webmasterradio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of webmasterradio.fm is prohibited.